episode of International Immersion, a podcast where we bring together people, ideas, cultures, experiences, and place them together to learn about and explore this amazing world of ours. So for today's episode, I've actually reconnected with one of my old friends from college who, like myself, spent a period of time in China teaching English. So based on that, I thought it'd be really interesting to sit down with him and discuss what his experience was like in China. You know, Basically, you know, why he went there, what, what was it like while he was there, you know, why he came back and how it has affected him or influenced him to this day. So, John, it's great to have you on today and hope you've been well lately. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, just uh, another day in the pandemic. So, just taking it oh, a day Oh, how I completely can relate. It's just, I mean, going on nine months now here in the U.S., it's just like, well, it's going. When's it going to end? No idea. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When's it gonna end? Exactly. <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. So, John. So, um, you know, from talking to you and everything, yeah, it's pretty neat because, like myself, you spent four years in China, or nearly four years in China. You spent um, a good, a good chunk of time over there teaching uh, in Shanghai, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. That's correct. One year, about one year. Nice. Very nice. So, to begin with, uh, what would you say is like what brought you to the point that you decided to actually go go over there and teach English? Well, you know, there was there was an interesting moment. I had just quit my job at a marketing firm. And, uh, you know, I really hadn't thought about it. I mean, I always wanted to go, but there was never like, I never really knew how to get there. So maybe you could say uh, like the opportunity or the avenue. Yeah, yeah. I just had no idea how it was going to happen. But I always thought it was going to happen. And you know, thoughts become things. And um, literally three days after I um, quit my job, I got a friend of mine who actually taught in China. His roommate reached out to me asking me if I wanted to teach in China. And it was like literally like perfect timing because I had no plan. So, you know, and then I was just like, wow, you know, I can't really say no. I have nothing better to do. So, <laughs> so it was just like, all right, let's go. So, uh, yeah, talk that, about timing. That's, I mean, three days. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was, it was really unexpected. And when I saw the message, it was just like, well, you know, I don't know where this is going to lead, but like I said, I had nothing else better to do. I was just like, well, it's this or look for another job. So it's like, this is, at least sounds like an adventure. And that's what it was really about. It was just the adventure, the different, I, because I'd studied abroad before and stuff, so it wasn't totally new, but, you know, living and working in a new country, that was going to be the new part, so. Now, I think you bring up a really good point, especially people when they're they're not settled yet, they don't have a family, they're, they're, they don't have a lot of things tying them down. If you're adventurous, if you have a little bit, if you're willing to take a little bit of risk, that's the time in your life when you can do things like this. You know, I, I did the same thing when I graduated college or my undergrad and then I had the opportunity. So I took it and yeah, it's like, you know, I have nothing holding me down. Why not? And, it, and I think more, more than anything, 
if it, you know, if you, if you get a job overseas, regardless of what it is, it's, I think it, it, in a way it's more about the adventure and the experience you can get, you know, you can get monetary compensation, but I think that's, that's only the tip of the iceberg. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's another topic to talk about. They don't, they pay you pretty well over there. <laughs> I would definitely have to agree with you on that because I've gotten offers and I was like, wow, that's not bad. Right. Yeah. That's well, cool. yeah. So, so literally, so yeah, you're three days after, you know, your friend, his roommate contacts you, you want a job and you were like, why not? You know, this could be an adventure. So what happened next? So yeah, I, I accepted it. I got this interview <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just a zoom call or yeah, it was a zoom call actually. And uh, you know, like the, it was the, the owner of the school and she just asked me some very basic questions because I actually had some teaching experience, believe it or not. I did. Um, <laughs> I was teaching Chinese, believe it or not, believe it or not at an elementary school here in the U S for like three months. It was like a ling language exchange program. Mm -hmm. anyway so that was enough to essentially like it was that question and maybe two others and then I had the job so I was like all right cool talk about a quick interview and more like you speak a few <laughs> that's pretty nice yeah. <laughs> it's just like you speak English yes I do was like all right <laughs> when can you start <laughs> sounded like or I could say it sounds like they were very much in need of somebody <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I think I was actually my friend's replacement. The, the funny part. Oh so. wow! <laughs> well, that worked out perfectly. I mean, you know, I know you quit I your know. job, and he's ending his his contract or his term over there, and that just that was seamless. Yeah, I had no. I I wish I negotiated. I never. I didn't negotiate. I could have got such a higher rate if I negotiated, but I had no idea. I went in blind. <laughs> As they say, everything's clear in retrospect. At the time, you know, there's so many factors that you may think of, but at the same time, there are many others you won't think of. So, you know, I, I completely can relate. And it's like, it's like, darn, I wish I would have done that or would have done this. But so that's cool. So you got the offer. And then what happened next? So you got the offer. So, of course, you, um, you, got, you got a Z work visa, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the Z visa. And then I took the 14 hour. No, no, 16 hour. Because I had the, I went to Beijing and then I went from Beijing to Shanghai. So 16 hours. Oh my gosh. It was the longest flight of all time. Um, watched some good movies. But, and it was so funny on the plane. I tried to speak because I've been waiting to speak Mandarin to a foreign, foreign uh, or a, a native speaker for such a long time. And, you know, I practiced a little bit. I took two years in college. I'm like, okay, I'm going to speak and it's going to be great. I was so nervous. One of the one of the flight attendants was like speaking Mandarin, and I was like, "Okay, here's my chance." And I, I can't remember what I said, but she didn't understand what I said. She was like, "What?" <laughs> she even said in English. I was so embarrassed. I'm like, "Oh, I tried to speak like," uh, and that was like, it was like you know, like sometimes that first moment kind of determines the rest. So yeah, that first me, impression, that first thing it kind of sets the stage or sets the mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was so afraid to speak because I'm like, oh, shoot. And I thought I, you know, spoke it perfectly and everything. And then I just got a what? <laughs> so then I got to Shanghai. And uh, the first thing I, oh, no, no, I'll talk about Beijing first. The first thing I noticed in Beijing was everyone looked, you know, like in America, everyone kind of like puts that fake smile on and stuff. 
in China, no, no fake smiles. <laughs> no, no, it's totally different here. I mean, yeah, people put on a fake smile or people are just generally you know, a little more friendly on the surface, you know, but yeah, yeah, in China, people are just, it's very more smug, more just neutral expressions. If not, maybe a little more like, oh, they look a little upset or angry. <laughs> yeah, I remember that was the that was the the first thing I noticed off the plane was just it almost seemed like everybody was sad. But you know, later I find out like, oh, it's not that everybody's sad. It's just that's just, there's no reason to be fake smiling and you know all that stuff. So no, but I and I can relate to you with the language. Like you know, I I took a year of Chinese in China as well, and. I, you know, I come out of class sometimes and like, wow, I, I learned a lot today and I go out and speak and, and like, I leave like, oh, I know so much. I go out and try to do something. I'm like, I feel like I know nothing now. <laughs> and it's just like, yep. I'll say something and they don't understand me. I'm like, well, this is how I was taught. And then I, I then I talk to my friends and they're like, well, they teach you what? No, go, yeah, that's how we, that's not like a informal, formal situations, but we don't talk like that. This is what we really say. And you're like, oh, and not all of it was like that, but a lot of stuff was like that. We were getting more of the formal use of everything, which, let's face it, formality is not always how language is used on the street. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> it was interesting trying to speak at first. because I Oh, yeah, it, it always is, and there's always those, like, you know, you know, oh my God, I screwed up moments or the embarrassing moments or you'll, you'll start something and then they'll come back to you and with, they'll just send out salvos and you're like, ah, uh, trying to reciprocate. And you're like, well, I got a little bit of that, but I can't quite fully understand all of what you're saying. <laughs> See, you no, know it's funny is that wasn't even the worst. The worst is when, <laughs> the worst is when I speak, like I try to start a conversation in Mandarin and then somebody's like, Oh, and then the native speaker is just like, oh, wow, your Mandarin's really good, like in English. And I'm like, oh, man, that's like, that's literally worse than if they just spoke in Mandarin. Because then they're like saying like, okay, let's just cut it, cut it right there. I'm just going to compliment you so you don't feel bad. <laughs> let's, let's switch to English. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because let's face it, I mean, a lot more people there learn English than vice versa for in our case. But I do think that at least in my experience, you know, even if our, even if our Mandarin sucks, I do think that a lot of times they do appreciate we're trying, you know, they may say, hey, let's use English, but yeah, yeah, I appreciate you're trying, you know, it's not the best, but hey, you're trying, you're learning. So that's cool, but let's just use English. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then again, if you can build up some friendships, then maybe you can, I've had a couple where like they would speak to me in English and I would speak back to them in Chinese because you know, it was how we both were improving. Mm -hmm. so there's, there's all kinds of things you can arrange, but, th but those initial moments you're like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it can be kind of awkward, and you don't realize how much we take communication for granted in your home country. Oh yeah, yeah, it's and just the fact that everyone you pretty much everyone you meet internationally, there's if you're in a big city, there's a good chance people speak English. That's mm -hmm. man, we're lucky. <laughs> yeah, and I would say in China, it definitely if you're like in Shanghai or Beijing, it's. Well, most people or a lot of people they have if they can't speak English like I've, I've actually met people where they couldn't speak to me but we could write like, mm. pieces of paper or text in English and they understand but if you go out in the second tier third tier cities that's when you really start seeing that fall away you know like oh, yeah. you notice that most a lot of people don't speak it I mean you'll of course if you're if you're going to a university or doing other things yeah there's more options there but beyond that it definitely the more the further you get away from the main cities the less and less it is so what's your uh, most interesting encounter when you tried to speak? Uh, well, I mean, 
that's difficult to say because I've had so many. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, there's so many I could probably go into detail about, but a lot, you know, some awkward ones, some funny ones, some bad ones, or, you know, just a lot of, th- a lot of things. But like, you know, sometimes when if you get into dating over there, that's when it can really kind of be awkward. Or like if you if you learn a word and you don't say it right or has under has a different meaning but it's maybe a bad or dirty meaning and you don't know it and then you say it and then you're like oh god what did I just do right I've had a few of those <laughs> that's cool so yeah back to back to your point so you got to Beijing you noticed that and then you uh, from Beijing you flew to Shanghai yeah and then um, yeah just started teaching you know. Luckily, I was really lucky. My my roommate, he lived there for shoot like four or five years. Oh wow! In the Philippines, um, and but he he had like Chinese ancestry, so he fit in really well. So a lot of people thought he was like, you know, they were like, oh, he's Chinese, but he actually wasn't. He's from the Philippines. But his Mandarin was pretty good, and he just knew he helped me get situated and if it wasn't for him oh man it would have been very difficult getting used to everything um so what was it like when you first arrived and were getting settled in was that like a bit of a cult was that a shock for you was it was it was it was it relatively smooth or was was it more bumpy would you say you know well my roommate like made it a lot smoother than it probably should have been but i i came to realize to my like just a realization for myself i didn't really know how to take care of myself (laughs) You know, because in the U.S., you you just you you can kind of get away with that, a lot of conveniences and and just That's you know. Very true. You realize how many more conveniences you have here versus over there, but you'll notice that there's conveniences there you don't have here, and it's about learning how to make use with what you have available. Yeah, exactly, and and that was and having my roommate made it so much easier. But um, honestly, it was a lot smoother than it than. The, you know, than I thought it would be. Um, honestly, a lot of the learning curve was just me just kind of growing up, <laughs> you know, 20, I think it was 23 when I got there, you know, just a lot of growing up to do living on my own and stuff like that. I think that was almost more difficult than, you know, all the culture stuff, or at least in some regards, I would say. I see. So you got settled in, you got moved in with your, to your uh, apartment with your roommate, you get that situated. So when you started the job, what was that like? <laughs> well, I, I shadowed for like the first month and, you know, I was scared to death because I'm thinking I'm not a real team, you know, the imposter syndrome. And honestly, you get that in any job, but you know, you're in another country and you're starting to realize you, you see the teaching and you're just like, wow, English is harder than I thought. <laughs> That's that was my first re- reaction, and then they, you know, like it was just thinking, like, oh man, I don't really have a teaching style. There's a lot of stuff going in my mind, and I just remember I was horrible at first. I was so bad. I didn't make it fun, and I was like, you know, because you, you don't really think about like grammar and stuff and all that stuff. So I remember I'd even make some mistakes, and a few times the kids would call me out on it. I'm just like, oh wow, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> I think, you know, with your native language, sometimes you're so used to using it, you don't even, you don't have to think about it. So when you're like, oh, how do, why do we do this? It's like, I just do it. <laughs> right. And then, so it's, it's amazing sometimes when you teach your own language, you learn about it as opposed to learning another language. It's kind of, you know, it's very interesting, I'd say. Oh, yeah. It was, um, 
it was a big eye opener for me. And then I just remember um, once I think it got a lot easier when I realized I just had to have fun and be myself. And it sounds really cheesy, but once I started just being myself and having fun, just, you know, trying to going into every classroom, it's like, hey, how can I make this fun? And it just got so easy after that. You know, I've come in. At first, I had to plan for like two hours for a lesson plan. I'm like, oh, how am I going to like teach this? By the end, by almost the last month I was there, I was walking into the classroom. Like, I didn't even know what, like, I would just open up the book. I'm like, okay, we're learning this. And then it would just turn out amazing. And it was just like that mind meld you had with like. It's like you, you kind of, you develop your own teaching style and you, you become accustomed to the material you're teaching and you can kind of just spontaneously create something and present it to, the, to, the, to them to, so they can learn, you know, and, and that takes practice and that takes, you know, time. Oh yeah. Having, yeah. having taught over there as well. Yeah, it was, uh, I just had to steal things from other teachers, you know? Hey, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like, you know, whatever works. I mean, you know, and other teachers, other people you meet that are in, the, are in the education industry over there, I mean, they can really be good sources of information. You know, they have their own style. They may use different tools or techniques. It doesn't matter. I mean, you just kind of take what, take what works, and also you have to kind of gauge how the students react to it, what works with them, what doesn't, et cetera. And the age groups you work with also, you know, very much can differ, and you have to kind of, you know, uh, d design and mold different, you know, met methods to each each age group and also you know some classes the kids are more behaved some classes they're not it just depends <laughs> yeah That's my experience oh yeah <laughs> oh man yeah that was uh I've had, I've had kids climb on me <laughs> i've had kids just try to hit me with, with stuff or you know you probably you probably had all the same <laughs> yeah I remember I learned some very useful things like sit down stop <laughs> Chinese you know like, oh the teacher spoke Chinese he's angry so. oh yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah you kind of get those things and you kind of learn what they you kind of learn their tendencies and they kind of learn yours so that you can in some cases you can build a bit of a rapport you know rapport with them but yeah I, that's cool. But that's neat how you kind of, so in total, how long were you in Shanghai? It was about 10 months. It was okay. about 10 months. I actually ended up leaving my contract a little early. Um, you know, you know, I was at, I was literally at that point. I was at that tipping point where I'm like, I finally got all, like the culture shock was going away. I was, there was even like that last month, I was even starting to think in Chinese a little bit. Yeah, the immersion. When I was like, wow, this is actually, like, I'm, I can actually learn this. And I was starting to, I mean, I wasn't speaking very well still, but, like, that, that shift, that little shift was starting to happen. And then uh, my brother, he messaged me on WeChat. He was like, hey, I need a roommate back in the U.S. And, you know, we were on a break, and I just remember I'm like, you know what? And I, at the time, I was seeing, like, a bunch of girls, too. So, I'm, And then, you know, like, you can either that seeing phase, eventually, like, you start developing feelings if you stay too long. So I had to make a tough decision. I was just like, you know what? I'm not ready to stay here long term. So I made the tough decision to go back. And, of course, with my brother, like, okay, that's a good reason to go back. So. I see. So there's several factors that influenced you after your decision to go come back to the U.S. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. There was quite a few and sometimes I regret it, but most times I'm like, well, I would have probably been back anyway. So. And that's one thing I find, I think with China is that it's very hard to stay long-term. I mean, I stayed for nearly four years, which is quite a long time, but there were a number of reasons behind that. But I think as a foreigner there, you can't really assimilate the same way you can as if you come to the U S because you know, a lot of people may have different opinions on that, but because China is much more of a homogeneous society and culture, it's like, you'll never, you'll never fit in entirely there. You'll always be, you know, a foreigner or someone like that. You can learn the language, you can do a lot of things, but those are things that are always going to be a bit difficult. I mean, you can definitely become very comfortable there and be, and assimilate pretty well, but you're never going to, you can never fully assimilate like you can, like you could in the U S regardless yeah. of your background or where you're from. And I think that's what I noticed too. So, you know, I like going to China and, you know, and spending time there, but I can't see myself like re- relocating there permanently. I don't, you know, it's just a lot of factors behind that. Oh yeah, totally agree. And I, I came to that realization too, because, um, you know, I just realized like, okay, no matter how much, how better I get with my language, it's not going to matter. <laughs> and I think every, most foreigners realize that. And that's one of the, I mean, there is a big expat community, but very, I don't know how many actually end up getting citizenship. It's, well, and not, it's not the fa- it's not just that it's, it's very difficult to get citizenship there or even permanent residency. I mean, you know, I don't know the full details, but I know people who, who try to do it. It, it can take a long time. Yeah. And yeah. I think it took someone almost, it was like in there for 20 years in China. Yeah, I think it's like 15, at least 15 years in some cases because the system there is not really designed to bring people in like the U.S. system is more, you know, I know it's been more, <laughs> I'd say restrictive, you know, more, you know, last, you know, the last decade or so. But I would say that it's not like, it's not, their system is not designed to bring people in. And when you do banking, you do all these other functions you, you do in the U.S., you know, it's like, it, it's more, much more of a headache because it's not designed for non-Chinese. Like, oh, you don't have a, you don't have a, you don't have a ID, your, you know, your Chinese citizenship, your card, you don't have a hukou, you know, your residency, you don't have all these things that can just make things a lot more complicated. Like whenever I go to the bank, I have to say, oh, I'll be here at least half an hour because each time I went to the bank oh, to do whatever, anything, it would yeah. take at least half an hour because just because you don't have the same conveniences of being a local or a citizen, you can still get your business done. It just, it just takes longer. So I find that every basic thing you can do in the U S like going to the post office, mailing something, going to the bank, ordering and getting stuff online, depending on the circumstances you have, it will always take longer. So your functionality and what you can accomplish, I find is reduced. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was from a functional standpoint, it was, you know, it, it was pretty difficult, I have to admit. <laughs> like, uh, when I lived in Italy, it was a little bit easier. Yes. But I just remember in China, even towards the end, I was just like, I still had no idea. Like, if something happened, like, major happened, I don't know how I would have been able to navigate a lot of situations. It was just kind of like, well, I just pray nothing bad happens. <laughs> and that's the thing is, like, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, I always had an escape plan in the back of my mind, not because anything bad, but just in case something, you know, I need, I need to, to leave or go back. I always had maybe a contingency just because, you know, you, there's not the same, like, security there as you have here in the U.S., you know, just because you're there, but because of the system, because how things work, not, you know, I think things are not as concrete as they are here. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit more laissez-faire. Well, no, it's not, it's not even the right 
<laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because, because I mean, you know, like because they're a one-party system, they can basically if they want to do something, they can just do it. There's there's not mm-hmm. they don't have to go through the same legal loophole or you know legal steps like they do here to do anything. So if they want to cancel a visa, or they want to do something, they can just do it. Whereas oh. here, it's they can do that, but it takes longer, and it, you have more of a chance to fight it. <laughs> Whereas there, good luck. Right. I'm not trying to downplay or, you know, like diminish the, you know, the, I'd say the, the opportunity or the chance of going there, but I'm just saying those are things you have to think about. Yeah. Coming prepared is very, is very uh, important. And I think what helped me the most in China out of everything was when I, I kind of became a volunteer coach for the Shanghai baseball team. Oh, the, wow. not, not the professional, the university. <laughs> Shanghai uh, University baseball team. That's so, awesome, though. Uh, talk about an experience. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was amazing. Uh, and obviously, a lot of see baseball is not a big sport in China. No, like, it's very not. Few people play it, but the people who do play it, they're fanatical. I was just, I was like, it made me love baseball again a little bit. I was just because I kind of I kind of grown out of baseball a little bit, just because I stopped playing in college. I played one year in college and then kind of stopped. So, you know, playing with them, even though their skill, like most of them, their skill level is very, like, very low, but it was just so much fun because they had so much love for the game. And and they just, they were like, hey, like, John, can you show me how to do this? And I just, honestly, if I stayed, that would have been the main reason for sure. Yeah, I know that a lot a lot of uh, physical education jobs are popular over there, especially for certain sports because – and I know, like, when I was in Taiwan for two weeks, I took a vacation there. Baseball is huge in Taiwan. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember one time I was staying in a hotel. I turned – there were like, three different channels, had three different games on. I'm like, oh, my gosh, three, three channels, three different baseball games here in Taiwan. And it was neat because some of the time when these teams, they had, they had you know, American players, you know, the, the guys mm-hmm. – I, it was interesting. A lot of the guys, even if they get a little older here, they actually go over to Asia, Japan, Korea, or, or or Taiwan and play in those leagues for a few years. Yeah, that was my dream. I was thinking, like, hmm, what happens if I can somehow? Because <laughs> I wouldn't be able to make it long term as a teacher. I I didn't have that energy and creativity. But well, I was like, know. I mean, if that's something you really enjoyed, you know, maybe the opportunity may present itself in the future for that or something similar. Oh yeah, if that if that ever comes up, I'm taking it in a heartbeat. Oh, that, that's awesome, man. That's awesome, man. Hey, you, you never know. Like I said, you never know. You just never know. So, so after ten months, you decided to come back based on your situation with your brother, um, some of the romantic relationships you had. So, what was it like when you were like um, in the process of coming back? Ooh, well, the the last month was the best month there. <laughs> I think that's very common because you're kind of, you kind of like know that it's not a permanent situation and you're, you're, you're subconsciously thinking like, Oh, you know what? Actually, I don't know if I want to go back. <laughs> so I, I was having a great time. I was, my dating life was really good that last month. And, uh, you know, it was a good, you know, it was a good excuse to get out. It's like, Hey, you know, like I'm leaving. So sorry, we can't continue this, but like, Hey, let's stay friends. So it was, it was a really good, like, I think, leaving i had there was multiple times where i'm like you know maybe maybe i should stay <laughs> uh the second guessing yes yeah, like well i mean i'm kind of it's like it's not perfect here but i'm settled in i have kind of kind of things you know squared out 
or you know throw it away but it's like uh yeah i had the yeah. same feeling as well it's like do i stay do i not do i come back Ugh. that was that was very difficult that last month it was like in the end that it was like all right i already told my brother i'm going but going back but there was at least two or three times i was just like trying to come up with a plan like hmm maybe i could tell him that maybe you know i was just coming up with some scenario but yeah that last month was great and you know um it was funny actually i almost didn't make it on the flight back oh no story so okay i had some pakistani friends who wanted to say goodbye to me before i left um and you know I was like, okay, like, that's fine. Um, like, like I need to make my flight though. And then, you know, they wanted to come with me and like send me off at the airport and it was all cool. Um, I can't remember, but I think it was either I messed up on the timing or we were just hanging around too long. Oh no. Yeah. So then I go to like, you know, check my luggage in and they're like, Oh, it's closed. Like, so I was like, you know, like, and I, you know, I didn't really have, like, it was a pretty expensive ticket. I didn't really save up much it, for, for whatever reason, I didn't really save well when I was in China, even though I, it's super easy to, to do, um, totally another subject. But so I was thinking like, oh shoot, how am I going to get back now? So, you know, but like in China, there's a different version of me in China and you probably felt the same, like you John Bordoletto is not is not the same person in China as he is in America. So in China, I was like, hey, I, I have to be on that flight. Like in America, I was just like, oh, shoot, I'm done. Like, I'll just have to find another way. But in China, I was like, you know what? I got to get on that flight. And I, see, yeah, it's like do or die. It's like, no, no, I got to do this. It's like, you know, yeah, not yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Here, I'll, I'll figure it out. But they're like, no, I know no other recourse. I got to get on this flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, that's totally, people who know me would be like, whoa, what? <laughs> so I kind of forced my way on the flight. Uh, and I think I have a theory of why she changed her mind and let me on. Um, and I, I, I was able to skip the lines, like, like whole VIP treatment. It was amazing. But <laughs> honestly, I was thinking like, huh, maybe I should try that again. <laughs> I don't think I'd get away with it in America though, but I think because I wore a suit because I, I didn't want to pack it into the suitcase. So I decided, no, I'm going to just wear this suit, whatever. I'll look really good on the flight, but <laughs> you know, and I'm obviously really uncomfortable, but I was like, no, what's, I'll just do it. So no, definitely can, I find fine. that, you know, like when I've, tra when I've traveled now for, for business, sometimes if I, if I wear, you know, if not even not a suit, but like khakis, you know, a dress shirt you know, that it really can make like, Oh, this guy's a business person. Yeah. Let's take mm -hmm. care of him. So I think that definitely can, can aid you. And I also find having a sport jacket with you or, you know, any type of like, when you do business, not just in China, but other countries I've been to, it really also can help just with maybe a little more, I hate to say prestige, but it may give you that little bit of more formality that they may, like, oh, well, this guy has some importance. For oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's, I'm pretty sure if I wasn't wearing the suit, she'd probably been like, no, sorry, you can't get on. But I got on and, you know. I was able to make it. <laughs> I don't know how I was able to make it to America. And then well, just that's certainly a close shave, but we're glad you got back. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 It was, uh, you know, I, I felt like I limped back. Like I didn't really, it came back to a really interesting situation. Like, you know, yeah, it was, it was, uh, 
it was rough, but I made it back. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then the, you know, getting back used to American culture mm-hmm. was the next step. And that kind of leads to our last, our last segment for, for today's episode is how, how did you reacclimate? And then how did that change your like outlook on things? You know, now that you're after coming back. You know, uh, I think it was difficult at first because pretty much none of my friends had traveled pretty much at all. Um, I definitely have the same boat with you on that, at least to the depth of my travel. So yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah. So that was difficult. Like sometimes I wanted to talk about things. But like the moment I started talking, it's just kind of like nobody could relate to it. I, I found very few people. I did meet somebody who had also just recently came back from teaching in Japan and we kicked it off really quickly. But it was just kind of like you, you lived you, a piece of you. You brought a piece of you back to China and you wanted to show it off to everyone. Like, hey, I'm kind of like a new person. But then everyone saw you as the old person. So mm-hmm. it, it was very difficult. Eventually, I had to essentially, uh, because I had more of an aggressive mindset when I, was, I developed that because, was, you know, I have an identical twin. You know, we were kind of two halves of one brain. So, you know, when I came back, I kind of had to go back to the old me, like that, like, okay, well, he's the more like outgoing, I'm the more like shy twin. But, you know, but in China, I had to develop that. Um, that other side of me that I didn't have in the U.S. So when I came back and had that edge, I was calling an edge, I had that edge on me. Um, I kind of had to tone that down because a lot of my friends and even my brother kind of like didn't know how to react to that. <laughs> I was also a lot more open. I was more o- open of a person. Um, so it was just kind of, I-, I think that was the biggest shock. I was just like, shoot, I kind of became a better person, but I'm reverting back to my, older version of myself and it just didn't feel right Um, i i have i can definitely relate on all those categories and that you know i'm still the same person i was before but i would say with some new additions or new viewpoints on things and Mm -hmm. you know my friends it's like you know nothing no there's no bad blood or anything but there's some things they're just like what they couldn't quite relate to or or like sometimes you confuse them on stuff and they're like, why do you think that? I'm like, well, yeah, I've lived overseas for a period of time. You haven't. Yeah. You're definitely way more open-minded. I'm sure you're probably like, like there's some conversations where you're just like, I should keep quiet because otherwise I'm going to like tell this person how it really is. Exactly. And also I would say, especially like on foreign policy, how people view the U S how people view all type, all manner of things. It's like, cause I've met people from all over the world and you got to get, get to know what their point of view is and what, where their opinions and their inclinations toward things come from. So, mm-hmm. and when you meet people here and you're like, and you hear what Americans think about it, well, actually that's not what people think over there about this same situation or this issue. And, and when you explain to them, like, what do you mean? Well, you have to talk to them because I've talked to people overseas in these countries here and they think very differently on this, or you'll say, this is what they think. And they're like, Oh, I never thought about it that way. I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't because you don't, you're not from yeah. there. You don't see it the way they see it. So I find that definitely you become much more open-minded. And I think that if you aren't able to become, to open your mind more, you're going to potentially fail if you live overseas it's because you can't be like, you can't just be like, this is how I do things and accommodate me. That's not going to work. They could, they could give, they could give like 
they think like, we don't give a crap on that. This is how it is here. You're going you're gonna to figure it. You have, you have to do it, do it our way. So, and I do find some people when they travel, they just, it's not for them. <laughs> and I think being young helps, but also just naturally being inquisitive, open-minded and willing to learn new things that opens a lot of doors. And then when you come back, yeah, I mean, but especially here in the Midwest we're from, I mean, you know, the perfect region and everything, but a lot of my friends, they don't have the same exposure to, th- to this, to, to the things that me and you have had. And that mm-hmm. definitely influences a lot of their thinking, but also it just makes things sometimes a little awkward when you're like, try to explain things about that. And they're just like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and, 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 you know, they may, they may irrationally understand it and everything. It's just, they can't relate, relate to it as an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that experience does really change you. I'm sure there's, there's things, even though like, I would say, I feel like when, when I lived in China, it wasn't, I mean, when I lived in Italy for a couple of months, it wasn't the same because my beliefs weren't seriously challenged over a long period of time. So like, even though I could accept them then when I got back, it was like, it was, as quickly as I accepted those new um, realities, I quickly rejected them. But in China, it was a full year, and I'm sure for you, is even more. So, like for no, for sure. And I think with <laughs> Europe, I mean, of course, it's different. But Europe, Europe is has a lot more similarities to the U.S. in oh, terms yeah. of culture, history, you know, and other things. So naturally, you're going to find more of a commonality, or you know, common, common common issues, common beliefs there. Whereas in China, it's a totally different culture, totally different value system and everything. So that's really going to challenge, you know, challenge you. And you really come to learn that, you know, things are based on people's points of view and what okay. they what they learn, what they're exposed to, what they have access to, et cetera. But, you know, and a lot of times you're like, well, I, I would never do this in my country, but this is what they do here and that's normal. So I'm just like, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. When in China, do as the Chinese do. And of course, there's some things you never should cross or never cross certain lines. But a lot of times you're like, well, this, like, this is what they eat. And okay, I'll try it. This is what they do. Okay, I'll try it. Or these are things that they think is, are okay. Okay, I'll try it. But there's, but there's still those times where I'm like, no, 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 I'm not crossing this line. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, yeah. There was many times where I'm like, well, uh, like, I kind of wish I was back in China because I, like, I could get away with something like us. You make up a very good point. As a foreigner, you can definitely get away with a lot more things than you can here in the U.S. I'm not talking about the illegal things. It's just oh yeah, I mean, social, like, social, <laughs> yeah, social, social things. You know, the dating experience. I mean, because you know, kind of touching on what you said. I mean, I my dating life was probably the most active the period of time I was over there because it was so easy to to date to date. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, and it was mainly just the other expats for me. But, but yeah, it was. And that's and that's kind of interesting because I mean, a lot of times, like it, with me, it was mainly more of the it was mainly Chinese women. I mean, I, I, I never actually did any any other expats while I was there. But I didn't. But yeah, you. It's it def, definitely tends to be easier to date when you're overseas because I think a lot of people, especially other foreigners, they're all there for for whatever period of time and let's just have fun get to know each other who cares about where we're from we're here we're just going to enjoy it oh yeah yeah it was uh man that's probably the if there's one thing i miss the most it's meeting people from you know it's, it, when you're in when they're u.s you meet someone from like let's say russia it's not the same because if you like they can't they're like okay you're you're an american it's like okay like i already like there's you're just like everyone else 
But when you're in China, like if I met a Russian, it was like we were automatically friends. Just because, because we're, we're all, yeah, yeah, I think it's because you, you're, you're both out of your own country. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we're both, we're from these two places, but we're here. Okay, so we're, we're actually, we, we actually have more in common than the locals do for, compared to us. So yeah, we'll just, we're just going gonna to have more camaraderie. Whereas if they come here, you go there, it, it, the dynamic is a little different because they're in their comfort zone and you're in your comfort zone. But if you're both out of your comfort zone, that's where, you know, you can find, it's amazing when people are, like you meet two people from two countries meet in another country. It's amazing how many commonalities they can find, you know, or how much easier it is to find commonalities or, you know, points that you can agree on or discuss. And I found that with people from all over the world. And I think that's one, yeah, like you said, I do really do miss that because here I don't really have that. And I do miss that. And sometimes, yeah, I do meet people, but it's not the same. And when I, whenever I do travel for work or for, for leisure, that's such like, a, oh, I miss this. Yeah, yeah. That's the number one thing I miss by far. And, you know, and I would say I wish, I wish a lot more America, uh, you know, many more Americans, particularly at, at the college level or, you know, post-college, I wish they would do something like what me or you have done. You know, it doesn't have to be the same thing, but I do believe they should spend at least six months to a year outside of the U.S. Because at the end of the day, you know, I enjoy, I enjoyed the experience. I really liked China. I liked all the things, but coming back, I appreciate what I have here even more. And I'm not like, Oh, I, I love it. I love it. But I just appreciate it more for what it is. I know there's, there's always problems, but at the same time, it's like, unless you leave where you're from, you're not going to appreciate some appreciate it for what it's worth because you have nothing to compare it against. Oh yes. And that's probably the most important lesson I would say <laughs> from going to China is even though I loved it there, there were so many things I loved when I came back to the U S I things that I was like, not so like appreciative. I was just like, wow, I'm so lucky. Like I really realized how lucky I am just to be in this. Like it was, yeah. I no, no, you know. Sure. You know, and there's a whole, there's a whole list of reasons we could, we could discuss on why that is, but we don't, you know, we don't have to do that today, but I definitely agree with you. And I, while I do, you know, did enjoy everything over there. I'm very appreciative for what I have and what uh, I would say abilities and I would say liberties I have here that are very important that you don't necessarily see or have act or enjoy over there. So, and unless you are outside of, you know, let's say the U S system, you won't really appreciate that or realize how good it is. Oh yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. No. Well, John, that's great. I mean, it's a pleasure to have you on today. It's, you know, it's great to connect after a while and, you know, it's great kind of reminiscing about our time and our times, <laughs> we are both our times in China, what we got out of it, what we did, et cetera. And, you know, uh, you know, it'd be nice to talk to you more. There's a lot more we can cover and I'm glad you're, you know, you're back here. You, you know, you, you mentioned you, you're, you're working again here and you've learned kind of a new skill. So that's great. So, you know, and I'm still doing stuff with China often, you know, as part of my job, which I, which is awesome. And, that's one thing is that that experience you get over there, it can really come in handy if you ever are doing something either for leisure or for work that involves traveling overseas anywhere or China particularly, you can leverage those skills or things you've learned. Oh yeah. And then I don't want to get off to another tangent, but yeah, it, that could be another discussion for another day. Exactly. Exactly. You used what you learned. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, hundred percent agree on that one. So. Well, I bet you have a lot. Of <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something we could go. I can go on a tangent as well on that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, this was great. This was great. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Uh, 
it was just great just hearing like even just reminiscing and thinking about exactly exactly it's great to do that and i think you know for everyone who tuned in today i hope you enjoyed our conversation and i just want to leave everyone with you know you can't it's really hard to appreciate something unless you see something else and you know from talking with you know me and john talking tonight it, you know, that it, you, it's, it's amazing that experience, you know, looking back on it, you remember all these things. And as you discuss, discuss it more actually comes into your brain and you can, Oh, I, and think more, you can discuss more and more and it becomes like a snowball. But, you know, I hope everyone got a good uh, sense of our experiences, you know, and primarily John's, but, you know, we want to carry out, do more episodes where we can discuss this great into greater, you know, into a deeper, deeper extent and kind of bring more of these things that we've both done to kind of demonstrate what it's like to live, travel abroad, et cetera. So, well, John, it's been a pleasure having you tonight. You know, if, you know, if, we'll look forward to do, look forward to doing more episodes with you and, you know, stay safe. This COVID situation's nuts, but you know, we'll get through it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, just take it day by day. <laughs> That's all you can do, man. That's all you can do. So Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. This has been another episode of International Immersion, and we will see you all in the next one. Take care and stay safe, and let's just prepare and get to a point where we can get back out and start traveling and enjoying the wonders of this world of ours.